I see the chairs are closer, so we're going to have to put splash zone right here, okay, just for the future. The people who did the sound check this morning are going to laugh and think I made up part of this sermon on the spot, and you will understand when we get there. It's the first page why this is funny. The rest of you, if you hear people laughing ridiculously at something that's not that funny, you will understand that I said something this morning. Well, let me just go ahead with it. When you hear the laughter, maybe you'll understand. If not, you can ask one of the sound people or our camera guy, Dan, right? Have I got it right? So scared to mess that up. Okay, anyway, it's been six weeks approximately since I started here. People wanted to know more about me, and I probably granted that to you beyond what you ever expected in my second week. But you think you know me, but there's going to be things that slip out about me that you don't know, and you go, wow, that's shocking. I would have never thought that. I never knew that. So this morning, I want to share something about me that you probably don't know. Now, I don't want to brag, but I am unilingual. That is right, I speak one language. That's it. If you had heard me this morning trying French, you understand I am truly unilingual. Um, I think it is something to brag about. Ask anyone who tries to learn English as a second language, and you know if you can speak English, you can speak the hardest language in the entire universe next to Klingon, and I hear that's not real. I'm not sure yet. I'm just hoping someone understands that joke. <laughs> I don't know, think back to school. Do you remember the rules of English in school? A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. What language has a letter that identifies as a vowel one day and as a consonant the next? That's not a language that's easy to learn. It gets worse, they taught us plurals. Now, I have a granddaughter learning to read, and you don't realize how bad it is till you go through the books and you get beyond something. Just that little bit beyond something that's the norm. They start sticking letters together and they make weird noises. And you say, you know, if there's a vowel at the end of the word, it makes the, the main vowel in the word a hard sound. And then you start to realize that, well, yeah, it does, but not in this word or not in that word. And then we get to plurals and they say, add S or ES to the word. So let's work on this. Together, this is your English lesson this morning. Cat would be cats. Dog would be dogs. Horse would be horses, moose would be mooses, but no, it's not mooses, it's moose. Okay, now you've got this poor grade two-year-old here going, what do I do? I can't plural anymore. I don't know if you can actually plural. I don't know if that's a verb. That's the next lesson. So we're on. Let's work at that. If moose is moose, then mouse must be mouse, but the plural of mouse is not mouse. It's mice. Now, if mice is a plural then dice must be the plural for douse, because mice is the plural for mouse, but that's not true. Dice is the plural for die, and it gets worse. I want you to join me in this thought process. I'm going to tell you a story. Hopefully, you can see where this is going. A hairdresser goes to the doctor and says, I'm having trouble breathing. I can't catch my breath. The doctor checks that hairdresser out and says, you need to stop doing hair coloring. You're actually getting the fumes and it's killing you. So on the way home, the hairdresser thinks to themselves, what happens if I stop working? I get no money. I make my money dyeing hair. So they decide to take a chance. They rolled the dye, continued to dye, and then they did dye. What type of language does that? Die till you die. It's all the same word and it means totally different stuff. I'm sorry, I don't want to insult those who created English, but English is a pretty useless language, especially when you try and figure it out. 
But today I'm not going to talk about words that sound the same but mean something different. I'm going to talk about words that sound different, but we often use them interchangeably. We use them in a way that would suggest they are the same word. And again, talk about a waste. Why have two different words that mean exactly the same thing? And guess what? I'm going to tell you more stories here. But this is the audience participation part. No, it's not a magic trick. And I'm not giving the money out if you listen. There's not a test at the end. I need it for the next service. In my hand, I have a $10 bill. Can you tell me what the value of this $10 bill is? Boy, it's not that hard. $10. In my other hand, I have a dime. What is the value of this dime? So what is this $10 bill worth? What is this dime worth? What if I told you that there's a time when this dime is worth more than this $10 bill? Time for another one of my stories. You go home from church next week to Christian Chicken, because this week you need to be back here for the AGM. You go into Christian Chicken, Swiss Chalet, and of course, being a good person, you know that not only do you need to sanitize your hands, but you need to wash all the alcohol off your hands, so when you get pulled over by the police on the way home, they don't think you've been drinking. So you go in before your dinner, you wash your hands all up, and you go over to the dryer and you do this, and nothing happens. You do this, and nothing happens. You do this, and nothing happens. You look at it, and fine, you give it a little bang. And instead of it working, the whole front falls off, and inside you see a clock ticking backwards from three minutes. From that clock comes little wires and some dynamite. What are you going to do? Well, you can't get everybody out of Christian Chicken because the Baptist is there, the Pentecostals are there, someone beat you there from the early service. It's full at Christian Chicken. So you call 911, you say, I got a problem. You describe this bomb to them. And they say, well, we don't have an expert we can get you in three minutes, so you have to defuse it. And they say, get a slot screwdriver and undo the screw on the red wire. And when you undo that, pull the wire free and the bomb will stop. You take out your $10 bill, you take out your dime. What is the $10 value? No, no, it's value still $10. What is the value of the dime? $10. What is it worth? Your life. You undo the screw, as you can tell. You save everybody's life. But now, as we all do, you have a nervous bladder problem because bombs do that to you. So you go to the bathroom. You've done your business. You pull up your pants, and you notice the $10 bill, and you look at it, and you daydream about what a day it's been. And then you look down and realize, I should have flushed that. You flush it, but out of your hand falls your $10 bill and your dime. And down the toilet it goes, off to the septic area or to the sewage area. What is the value of the $10 bill? It's still $10. What is the value of the dime? It's still a dime. But what are they worth? you got to decide, because if they're worth a lot to you, you're going for a swim somewhere you don't want to go. Let me tell you another story. A long, long time ago when we had paper bills, I was on a deserted island by myself. All I had was a bunch of packages and, and a volleyball that I called Wilson. You may have heard this story before. I looked different. I had hair back then. There I am trying to get rescued, and I hear a plane going over. I reach in my pocket, and I pull out a $10 paper bill and a dime. What is the value of that $10 bill? $10. What is the value of the dime? 10 cents. What are they worth? Well, if I can get my glasses off, get the sun on that paper bill properly, I got a small fire started and I am rescued. And as you can tell, I'm here today. I was rescued due to my paper $10 bill. What is the point of all these stories that may or may not be true? 
I hope they're not true for you at Swiss Chalet next week. But anyway, what is the point of this? How do we live our lives? Do we live in our worth or in our value? Value is assigned by the creator. Worth is something we try to earn for ourselves. That $10 bill was created by the Bank of Canada and given a value of $10 Canadian, it will not change. The value of that dime was 10 cents, assigned it by those who press it, the Bank of Canada. So what happens to its worth? Well, as we all know, when we go to our holidays and try and go south, it's not worth $10. It's worth $10, its value is $10 Canadian. Its worth is whatever it's trading for, and who knows where that's gonna be. So again, how do we live our lives? Do we live in our value or in our worth? Do we live in something that we try to control as it constantly changes, or do we live in something that is stable and steady? You have value. You have value given to you by God. God has given you value. As a matter of fact, we know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let me reword that for you. For God so valued his creation, us, that he gave. If you live in your worth, you'll be trying to prove that you are worth something to God. You're going to try to impress others. But if you live in your value, that cannot be changed. God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die. God gave you eternal life through the death of his son. And if that's not enough, then you work in your own worth and you try to prove things. But what happens when life changes? Some of us are going to get sick. Some of you had COVID. For some of you, it was okay. It was a bad cold. For others, it was worth. There are people struggling a year later with long COVID. Are you worth as much? Maybe not. But your value is still the same. The one thing you can't avoid, no matter how much you stay in good shape, is getting older. And if you're like me, you wake up and your brain says, I'm 30, and your body does not say you're 30. You hear cracking and creaking, and you are not worth as much in certain areas to the world. But you still have value. Are you going to live in your body deteriorating and live with that as your sign of who you are? Or are you going to live in the value of what the Creator assigned us, so valuable to God that He would allow His Son to die for us? There are two choices. One of them leads to depression automatically. And one of them leads to great joy. I know we use these two words interchangeably. It's probably the worst English lesson anyone's ever given because if you go to the dictionary, they basically mean the same thing. But I'm a big believer, don't waste words. Let's give them different assignments. And I know when you leave here, I've had people try and explain the sermon and they get worth and value mixed up. I don't really care which one you use. But let's differentiate between the unchanging value that God gives us and the constant changing of the world. Pop stars come and go. Rock stars. Football stars, where they figure a defensive lineman's got a five-year career, where they make millions of dollars each year and then are bankrupt because they spent it all. Baseball players maybe make it a little longer, Football players, it appears the quarterback seems to make it forever and everyone else can barely walk. That's the way it is. If you live in what you can do, someday you'll be too old to do it, too sick. But if you live in Jesus Christ, you will have joy even from your deathbed. 
I got my couple of verses I wanted to use spoiled, and I generally don't like that, and I'm yelling at, it's okay. I heard, and I went, yeah, how did you know? Let's talk about our value in compared with worth. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you heard them this morning, so we're going to bring it home. If not, I'm going to hear them twice. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one can make themselves worth enough to say, I'm saved. But it doesn't matter. You already have value higher than anything you can ever earn. That is so important to remember. If we live in our value, we are not concerned about proving our worth. But I'm not sure that's easy to do. We're in a world that loves to prove its worth. But that's not permission not to work. That's not permission to say, I'm saved, I'm valuable, it doesn't matter what I do. Let's listen to Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. There's the difference in value versus worth. If we do it as working for the Lord, we are doing it to give back to God. We are emulating God. For God so loved that he gave, and we so love God back and our neighbors that we give as well. We are being like Christ. We don't do it for men who will give us rewards. We don't do it to boast. We do it because we want to be like God. We got an AGM today. We're about to talk about the worst few years in the life of this church. I mean, who predicted COVID? Who expected that? Actually, the truth is they did predict it. They just predicted it back at SARS-1, which was, what, 20 years ago. But who predicted we'd get to this point? Who predicted that we'd have to change pastors and suddenly bring the bald guy in to speak to you for a year? Who predicted that? Who predicted we would look at everything we do and say, is this what's important in our call as a church that serves God? There's going to be opportunities to apply this very strange concept, this bad English lesson I've given you. As a church, there's an opportunity to say, we will operate out of our value or an opportunity to operate out of our worth. If we want to be transformed, we need to operate out of our value. We need not to be proving things, but rather living out our call. So what does that look like? What does value instead of worth look like? Well, I just said, for God so loved the world that he gave. And I now can see it here. AGM, he's going to ask us for more money. It's the opposite. It's not about more money. It's not about what grace needs in money. It's about the fact that we are ready to do what God calls us to do because he valued us and we value him back. We are emulating the Father. God did not give the world money. He gave his only son. What does that look like? Every part of Jesus was surrendered to God's plan. What does giving look like to us? Yeah, sometimes it is money. But it is giving every part of us to the plan of God. That's the mistake. When we put a, a worth assessment on it, we start saying things like tithe. For most of you, we hear the word tithe. That's a biblical idea. But if you actually add up what was being given, along with the other offerings, 10% is really low. One estimate is somewhere closer to 30 when you give all the other gifts. But the New Testament talks about giving generously. It talks about complete surrender. 
Now we take it out of the cash value. I use tithe as a, as a marker for me. That's where I want to start. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm not saying don't tithe. I'm saying that when we give of ourselves completely, it isn't about hitting 10%. It's about obediently giving as Jesus obediently gave his life. If we make it about money, we become an employer of many, many people and an entertainer of some on Sundays. If we make it about serving God, we become a place where we all get to give. If we make it about the opportunity to do what God calls us to do, we live in our value. If we make it about the opportunity to give money, it's based on what we're worth. Here's the most important thing. As we look forward to our AGM, we need to say, we're going to live in value. Because as we look back at the history of most churches in the last while, we've lived in our worth. We've counted our programs, we've counted our pews, we've counted our budget. When I was growing up in church, we counted the programs that God called us to do, but we counted their effect. Are we reaching people? Because God gave his son so that we could be saved, we should give up our lives so others will be saved. But now it's become about how many programs, not how effective. It becomes about how many seats in the pews, not about how much people are learning about Jesus and coming to Christ. If you believe that God valued you so much that he sent his son to die for you, then you must believe that God values everyone just like you so much that he sent his son to die for them. We can have a church in the future that's worth a lot in the world's eyes. Or we can have a church that resembles God it's such a value because we've given all for him. It's our choice moving forward. I hope you'll choose to live in the value God has given you, not work so hard to make a worth that really in the end is worth less because only Jesus can save. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to live in our value. Help us to live in you. Help us to recognize that your forgiveness is always there and we cannot earn we cannot do anything to make you happy enough to save us. And yet, God, as hopeless as that sounds, remind us we didn't have to. We just have to say, yes, Lord, I accept your sacrifice. God, make us a people that give as you gave. Make us a people that give everything. Help us to surrender everything we are to become everything you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.